Hey, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. Still telling my story of life in the 70s during the Jesus movement. I surely never thought there'd be any movies about it, but I've seen three and I am missing in all of them. I was there in a lot of those scenarios and thought, I must have been a ghost. But in the fall of 1972, I was the new kid in town, going to school at Southern California College. It was just 15 minutes away from what they would call the tent, where all the hippies were coming to Jesus, and going to a Bible study, and listening to music that would later be called Jesus music. It didn't have a name back then. No, it was just good music, and it was about hope and faith. The best band at the time was a group called Love Song, with harmonies so good that it made me drop everything and drive from North Carolina over to California just to see what was going on. But after I saw that band live, I would start going to the tent every week. I made it a priority over homework because of the music. I remember being amazed that people in their teens and twenties were showing up with huge Bibles and listening to a middle-aged man that was balding who would sit on a bar stool and read straight out of the Bible and say the most basic things about it. It was basic Bible 101, especially to a kid that had been raised in it, but I think they were drawn there by the sweetness of the music and wanted to know more about where that music came from, because to this day, I still can't imagine a 20-year-old listening to a 50-year-old man. The next time I went to Calvary Chapel at the tent, I would see a folk rock group made up of two girls and two guys. They looked like they were straight out of a hippie commune. They were called Children of of the day, and they already had a recording with a hit song on it called For Those Tears I Died, written by singer Marcia Stevens, who was only 16. She would later say that all of her friends were hippies and they didn't get high to get loaded, they got high to expand their mind. But honestly, chick singers and folk music was not expanding mine. It was too much Peter, Paul, and Mary, and not the ones in the Bible. Don't get me wrong, the voices were awesome, but there was no drummer. But the next group I saw had one. The band was called Blessed Hope. The lead singer had way long hair, but he also had a long beard to go with it. Would have fit right into ZZ Top, who had come out a couple of years before. ZZ Top came out with a song called LaGrange the next year. Still one of my favorites, but Blessed Hope sounded more like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. They were on the first Maranatha Music record with a song called Something More. Their harmonies were like Love Song and Something More sounded like We got to get ourselves back to the garden by Crosby Stills Nash. The truth is, the real Jesus revolution was more about the gospel being presented and a style of music that was culturally relevant. The good news was not new. That revolution started when Jesus came back from the dead. So for a preacher to say that it was his persuasive words alone that started a movement isn't even half the truth. Don't get me wrong, I'm not looking for credit. Hey, my band didn't make the news. I wouldn't have even been singled out as a Jesus people. I was more like Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to to see Jesus. And finally, I heard a band that made that even easier to do. The band was called Road Home, and their sound was a whole different animal. First of all, there was a heavyset guy with long hair playing a Hammond B3 on stage in the tent, and there wasn't an ounce of folk music in his songs. It was southern blues rock, and he was singing, I think I'll cancel Rolling Stone, because they're so full of trash. I liked it. He was not laid back like Prozac, and a year later, my new band would use one of his songs called Sweet Salvation. He also wrote a song that everyone would sing from Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, oh Lord. And his Hammond organ didn't sound like church music. His name was Bill Sprouse, and he would die just three years later. My band would write a tribute song to him called Golden Ages, and it would be the first song we recorded as a band. It was on Maranatha 5, the fifth project by Maranatha Music. But at the end of 1972, I was 
was still an observer of bands in the tent. But now I had started singing songs I had written to pretty much anyone who would listen. Any place there was a piano handy, like the student commons on campus. If there were seven people in the room when I sang something, I would write it down in a little book as an official concert. I would literally keep track of every person I sang to. Little entries like June 7th, 1973. I played to three people after a church service. And after several months, I'd played to like 50 people. But it was still a hobby until one night at the Bible study, I heard Chuck Smith say, if you are abiding in Christ, that is having a permanence of position with him, God's will for your life will correspond with the desires of your heart. In this way, knowing God's will is not hard. And that little nugget would transform my perspective. I even double-checked with him after the service, and he said, yes, if you're following Jesus, his will for your life will be something that you love. With all of my biblical education, I had never had such a direct application change my perspective so dramatically. And I went back to my dorm room thinking, wow, what if God's will for my life is to let me do something that I already love? And suddenly, my interest in a direct relationship with Jesus was greater than all of the things that I had learned about him. A few weeks later, I would go to the tent to hear Andre Crouch and the disciples, and I don't need to tell you how good they were. And I hung around after the concert in hopes of maybe meeting some of the people in the band, but that didn't happen. But there were eight people in the second row still sitting there. They were friends of Andre Crouch. They were a Christian funk band. They called themselves Psalm 150, and they had driven down from San Bernardino to see Andre play, and Psalm 150 had a horn section. You didn't hear much of that in the acoustic guitar world. Amazingly, I had picked up their cassette in the bookstore at college. Man, their song sounded like something Tower of Power would have done, and they would never be invited to Calvary Chapel. Apparently, funk music was a bridge too far. Trouble is, I liked it. So meeting them was a feather in my cap, and I'd happened to mention that I wrote songs and sung myself. This might have been a divine appointment because 50 feet from where we were talking was the piano beside the stage in the tent. They liked what I was doing too. And eight people is the biggest concert I've done so far. And they were the ones who suggested that I audition to sing on Monday nights here at Calvary Chapel. And in a matter of weeks, I would go from singing to eight people to singing to 1,500. The next episode will start with my audition to play a real event. And thanks for the comments on each episode. And for any contributions on the support page, I am grateful.